Welcome and thank you for tuning into Crossroads Church Aspen and our teaching ministry. We are thrilled that you desire to learn more about God and His Word. We also want to encourage you not to make this a substitute for belonging to a local church in your area. We were made for community and to be relationally connected to each other in the body of Christ. Remember, isolation kills, but community builds. We hope this message blesses you and draws you deeper into the community of Christ Church. We talked about last week um, that this week we threw it out to y'all. Just we wanted to open it up uh, just before we get into the message uh, and, and talk about building our house. Um, just to hear from you all, if anybody has just an encouraging word, uh, um, if we talked about last week a prophetic word, and I just feel like something just from the Lord that is that you're a verse, something for 2020. Um, that will, uh, for his church, for us, to, to encourage us this morning. Um, we'd love to hear just from a couple of you if, you if you got something for us this morning. No pressure if you don't, but we just wanted to open it up. Um, all right, well, all right, well, let's go. Here, will you uh, head over to Jerry? Well, this is almost like hold having on, the remote. On. Yeah, exactly. You've got control here. Wait, who? So, here? Right here. Oh, hi. Um. There's also a study on Wednesday mornings here at the church from 9 to 11 for women. And I was preparing yesterday um, for next Wednesday's session. It was talking about praising God. And um, through the Bible, it talks a lot about praising with an open heart and making joyful noises and singing and dancing. And that's called hala, H-A-L-A-L. And as I was reading that, it just, you know, um, really opened my heart. And then today during praise, I just wanted to experience that so fully. And so if any ladies would like to come on Wednesday, I think it's going to be really powerful. And, um, but I'm just so grateful for this um, Bible study called Recess because it's really been teaching us how to praise God with open hearts. Yeah. Fantastic. That's wonderful. And that kicks off again this Wednesday, 9 a.m. right here, ladies. Phenomenal uh, opportunity as well. And even if you haven't been coming, we would love to have you come. You will be blessed, I promise. Anybody else? Something for us for 2020. Anything? Nice. Ah, come for control now. Okay. Nope. Uh, right here. Right, right back here. It's a bit more of a testimony. Yeah, and yep, so from your message last week, and you mentioned about um, Matthew 7 7, uh -huh. about um, asking you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock on the door will be opened. Well, <laughs> I guess it was, I had just become a Christian. This was quite a while ago. Yeah. And I was at university, and it was back in the dark ages before computers. And <laughs> I had a final exam which I'd had typed up by someone else, because that's what you did then. You couldn't do it yourself. So I had to send it in, submit it that day. I just got it back, and I read through it, and they'd made all these mistakes, like they'd missed lines. I'm going, what do I do? So where in my faculty, it was an absolute no-no. You do not ask the staff to type anything for you. You just, you just don't do that. And I'd just been reading my Bible, and I'd read Matthew 7, 7. So, and I was, you know, I had a lady who was discipling me. And, you know, for the first time, it was she told me, well, you know, God is an integral, you know, he wants to be part of your life. And so when you have problems, you go to him. Anyway, so I go to the building, and there's a door to the office. And I'm thinking, 
exciting words. Asking you receive, seek and you'll find. Yeah. Knock and the door will be open mm. to you. And, you know, at that point I'm thinking, I've been told I shouldn't knock, but God says you should. And there was that, you know, temptation. Um, I'm sure I believe in hindsight from Satan saying, no, 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 don't do that. So I knocked. And this lady opened the door, one of the secretaries, and I explained what, what had happened. And she was like over the top, of course I'll help you. Yes, I'll, you know, I'll do it. Give it to me right now and I'll do it for you. And, you know, I think like that was 38 years ago. And I look at my life as a Christian and how that was instrumental in, in building my house, yeah. in knowing that God comes through. And if I hadn't have knocked, yeah. if I hadn't have done that, yeah. there have been so many times since then that that power of the Lord coming through, I would never have had that example. Wonderful. So That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. God's good. Ask, seek, yeah. and knock. Yeah, thank you. We talked about that last week just for 220, just this idea of not settling, all right? It's just in our, our life to settle and just to expect less, to have a lower uh, view of, of God. And, and uh, boy, let's ask, let's seek, let's not. 220, uh, 2020, let's, let's, uh, let's not settle, right? Let's hold on to our faith. All right, great. Just, I just throw this out. You can say, we'll come back to this, but I just throw it out to you. There's one thing to set goals, you know, uh, obviously that's an important thing. But I think as God's people, we need to go a step further. Right? We, we need to, to also take time to hear God. What do you right, have for me? And, and really lay our goals right before God even. Uh, he wants to speak to us. He wants to be involved in the details of our lives. Um, he wants to increase our faith, right? And that is a promise. Ask, you will receive. Seek, you will, you will uh, find and knock, and it will be open to you. In other words, the progression of that just says some things you ask, some things come easy. Some things take a lot more seeking and effort and time, and some things take right persistence over the decades before God will move. The question is, is there faith all along the way as I wait and with expectation on what God is, is going to do, right? So wonderful. Thank you for, for sharing that this morning. Okay, what I want to do this morning is we are in this new series, Building Our House, starting the first of the year. Um, and what we're asking is three things from you as a body um, that we, as we start this year. First, and I know I've had some kickback on this, but I'm just asking you to work with me on this, right, is let's get back to paper and paper Bible, paper journal. Um, all statistics show us that what we need to create in our lives um, some, some noise-free zones, safe places, uh, away from that, that, that tethered phone that has us addicted to the beeps and the distractions and everything else, a time where we can actually just be alone and listen to God and listen to his word undistracted. Uh, without getting into it, you might know the, um, I heard somebody recently say, oh, well, you're going to miss the millennials and everything. And la, la, la. I know, I think actually the younger generation is hungry for this. It's hunger for someone to guide them into what real sanctuary is really all about. And the only way to do that is to be disconnected. This is why Jesus took his disciples continually, where? Away from the crowds, into the wilderness. And unless we learn that in our own lives and, and practically create that space, so what we're asking this year, church, is let's get back to, uh, let's buy a paper Bible. Let's bring it to church. Let's get a paper journal. And not just 
creating a sanctuary time, we can do it. Hour and a half right here. You, you can leave the phone in the car, in your purse, turn it off, whatever it is. And uh, let's just stay focused. Lord, you speak to us. Let's listen to your word undistracted and, and as far as serving one another. And my encouragement is that we each do this also the first thing when we get up in the morning. If you go to that phone, I can promise you, right, you will not interest in your day. If the first thing you do is you hit that iPad, you hit that phone, you go to the beeps, you go to the emails, rest will elude you, no question about it. You will not experience the rest of God. We have to go to him first. We have to listen to him, right, and his word, his truth in our life. Then it's time to pick up, right, the phone. So that's our first thing. Second thing is uh, we'll just ask everyone, the month of January, we always usually start with a time of fasting just corporately. Take three days. Let's go for it in community. Grab somebody, maybe your spouse, friends, community group, whatever it is, and just in the month of January, take um, three days. We have some going longer than that. Um, many who are, this might be their first time to step into this, but prayer and fasting, um, the scriptures are real clear on this. This is a, a sense of consecration. This is a way of stepping into his presence more. If you have questions about that, we'd love to talk to you, lead you into the importance of that, the blessing of that uh, as well. And all of that leading up to our G3 gathering, which is the uh, first weekend of February right here to encourage any of our visitors to come back, be here for that weekend. Got Matt Chandler here. This is the one weekend that we as a church body want to gather together, kind of like a festival like we see in the Old Testament, where as a church body we gather on Friday night, that Saturday morning, Saturday night, and then Sunday morning back at church. And uh, just to dive into some amazing teaching, worship will be amazing, just the fellowship. And we got some exciting things to, to roll out this year. So just... Uh, plants free, but we do need uh, you to sign up on the webpage, please, for that. Because we, and if you, child, if you need childcare, we need to know that um, as well. So, those are our three things January. Gang, let's as a church family, let's uh, lock arms on this. If you have any questions about any of that, would love um, to talk to you uh, about those things. So, this, um, this month uh, or longer, we'll see how it goes. This last year, we spent some time as leadership just kind of wrestling with what is healthy church? Where do we need to go for the next decade, five, ten years? What, what, what do we need to do to really restructure, throw everything up in the air? Uh, what does healthy church? God, what, is, what would make you smile, God? And we came down to five distinctives. A praying church, healthy church must be a praying church, along with that as a church that, Dr. Terry said, that, that understands worship, the presence of God. Sanctuary understands this isn't entertainment. This isn't ultimately this is a time to to come and experience the presence of God, to experience real sanctuary fellowship with God and with each other, right? A place of grace, a place of love. So it's a praying church. Second, it's a disciple-making church. Is that that's Jesus' command is go make disciples. Are we doing that? Do we even understand what that's all about? A couple of weeks we'll dive in on that. Uh, the second, the third thing is to be a community-building church. As Kylie shared with us beautifully, right, what's happening in these smaller groups, lots of opportunities for people to step in and, and starting to really wrestle with what is healthy community? Um, what does that look like? God has that for us, built into us. We need it uh, in our lives. So we need to be a community building church. How are we going to do that? What does that look like as a church? Fourth is an equipping church. Um, Ephesians 4 tells us to go. There's word to equip the saints, to equip each other to do the work of the ministry. We're to fan into flame each other's gifts, serve each other, learn how to walk in spiritual leadership. And the fifth thing is that we're to be a church planning church. Is the great commission is very clear. God wants us to partner with others, expand, and, and still to this day, there's no greater way to reach people for Jesus than new, simple church plants. 
Uh, and obviously we have several of those. We'll be talking about that uh, this month leading up to uh, G3 and want to answer your questions in that. So what we're doing uh, every week is I'm throwing out some of this. I'm, this morning we're going to tag as much as I can a praying church and then um, we're going to open it up for discussion here, kind of like a church meeting, but just want this to be a body life discussion around what is a praying church? What does that look like? How do we wrestle uh, with that? Um, and why is that even important? Why, why, does, why would that be a, a real important thing when it comes to a healthy church? Uh, is that important to God? And so we'll wrestle with that, and then we'll, we'll talk about that. And I'm just going to give you a little heads up in that discussion. Derek's here. And so along this line of prayer, worship, the presence of God, is uh, how, do, how do we grow in that? What's a healthy viewpoint of growing in all that? So any questions you have, let's talk about this morning when it comes to why we do what we do, when it comes to worship, when it comes to really encouraging each other in prayer. Uh, what does that all look like? So um, this is just a, a time to dive in on, on any of those, those things this morning with each other. Before I do that, I want to just kind of lay the, the groundwork for this idea of what a praying church looks like. Uh, and, and just, it's obviously a big talk, topic, but I want to just tag a couple of things. The key verse that we're just breaking down every week here is Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, uh, labor in vain. Right? Just to let that said, unless the Lord is involved in the building of the house. And, and this we can expand far beyond just the building of his, his house, his church, his his. His, uh, uh, his people, his family, we're not talking about a, a physical building, we're talking about the community of God's people, the church, the body of Christ. It goes far beyond that, but just it really is just anything we build is we can apply that to. And it, and it goes on to this issue of security. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen, they, they watch in vain. Unless the Lord is watching, we're, we're at the, 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 the winds of this chaotic world that is fallen, right? It is vain, is in vain that you rise up early and that you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. And folks, that goes right at this issue of just lack of peace, toiling, anxiety, all these things that we know are vamping up right in our culture and even among right God's people. Uh, he, he, his promise is, is look, uh, uh, you got to build with me. Your security needs to be in me. I, 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 my arms are open wide. Jesus, come to me all your weary, heavy life. I'll give you, I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. Right? But there has to be, right, this stepping into God, right, to take hold of that. Otherwise, we find ourselves eating the bread of anxious toil. I think we all can relate to that, can't we? Right? Working, 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 going to bed, stressed, trying to do all we can do to figure something out, to get something built, to, 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 to make sure all of our checklists are done and we're just anxious getting through. But, but, the, and, and hey, we might be successful. We might be making money. We, we might see worldly that things look good, but there is a sense of unrest. We're eating the bread of anxious toil. We weren't made for that kind of life. And you know what? We can't sustain that kind of, no one can sustain that kind of, of living right in their life. But God, what he wants for us is to give his beloved, his children who trust in him, sleep, rest. And so, obviously, as part of building a healthy house, when we look at our church body and our community together, this issue of, okay, let's drill in. What does it look like to be a praying church? Uh, what, is that, what does it look like? And I want to jump ahead here. We'll come back to that. I just want to throw some questions out. 
as we talk about this issue of, of prayer. Obviously, I don't think we're going to have any theological disagreements that a healthy church needs to be a praying church. But how do we know we're a praying church? How do we, how do we move in that? Remember, Jesus says that my house is to be a house of prayer. It's when he came into the temple and cleared it out with a whip. Turned over the money changers, just cleaned house. It's not this little Jesus who's holding a lamb and who's like, you know, we present this weak little guru. He's the almighty. He's holy. And he takes serious what goes on in his house. Again, not the physical temple, not the physical building. It's his people where they're gathered. The family of God. He says, my house, it needs, it must, it is a house of prayer. And he goes on to say, for all nations. In other words, that prayer should go far beyond the needs of the local, of our needs to our local community, on to globally, right? To what God is doing around the world, to our nation. He commands us to pray for our leaders, right? Boy, if there's a, a year we need to be in prayer, it needs to be this year, right? We should always be praying. Even if we don't agree with our, our leaders, we should be in prayer for them right? For our nation. That's the command of God's people, right? So here's some questions. I ask you just to take these with you and think about these. These are larger questions for cultivating a, a heart of, of prayer, a heart of worship, a heart that desires God. Um, things that should be kind of, kind of uh, uh, percolating in, in the family of God as we grow and, we, and we, we rub shoulders with each other. And the first one is, how do we make God our primary source of delight and joy? How do you do that? How are you making him the primary source of your delight and your joy? Let me give you a little hint. It's impossible without growing in worship and prayer. It's impossible. It's impossible without growing as a worshiper without someone who longs for the presence of God. It's impossible without having a, a whole radical new way of, of, of looking at church and, and the importance of why I need to be in the body of Christ and worshiping corporately with people is because of this issue. It's in that context that God promises he's among us and that he's stirring our hearts. Right? How are we doing that? And, and to really be honest with that, I think for each of us to say, wow, what is the problem? What's the source of, of delight and joy in my life? And all of us struggle, don't we, with just kind of putting up all kinds of things, right? Especially this time of year after Christmas and everything, all kinds of little shiny objects, right? That we uh, put our delight in, our, but we know they don't bring joy. They're temporal, right? It's a heart of prayer that nurtures that. How do we make Jesus' church our primary community? A lot of people have community. People talk about it's a big hot word among everyone today. But it is, if you follow Jesus, right, that part of that very definition is that your primary community is the people of God, is, is, is the church, your local body, your family that you're connected to. How is that going? How is that going? And, and it's impossible to grow in the fullness of, of, a, of a talking, walking relationship with God without... Right, intimate connection with the, bo the uh, body of the body of the larger body of Christ. Christianity is never. Jesus doesn't call us, save us into some individual kind of spiritual, just me and, and God, me and Jesus type of thing. That's that's nowhere in the the scriptures at all. How do we make the Holy Spirit um, our primary guidance counselor? Wow, I started thinking about this. One. 
You think about that? Is the Holy Spirit, Spirit your primary guidance counselor? Are you learning to press in, to walk by the Spirit, to hear the Spirit in all of your decisions in life? Are you, coming to, are you depending on God right, to give you insight, to give you favor, to bless your life? Or are you bouncing out to a thousand other counselors, a thousand other people to give advice, which that's all good too. But I really have to wrestle with, well, who, who is my, who's my primary? Is the Holy Spirit really my learning to lean into the Spirit of God to be my primary counselor, right? How do we make God our primary care physician? I threw this question out a few weeks ago. Think about it. It's a question you get asked to write out all the time. Hey, who's your primary care physician? And you... The question is, who is your real? Really? As a Christian, there should be no question. That God is your primary care physician. That when physical, emotional, or any kind of issue hits, who's the first one I lean into? Who's the first call I make? Again, it reveals something about my prayer life. If I'm hit with a physical issue, what's my first thought? Do I go to WebMD? Do I call the doctor? Do I? Is God really my primary care physician? I mean, it reveals real quick in my life the level of faith and the, the level of intimacy with, with God, and it reveals something very intimate about my prayer life, doesn't it? And my expectation of God desiring to be involved in my life, doesn't it? Does that make sense, gang? It's a big question. The final one is, how do we make God our primary source of identity and purpose? Wow, how do I do that? How do I, is God, is he the source of my identity, of every, how I see myself? Is he the source of my, again, this reveals so much about my prayer life. Am I spending time in his word and praying it back? Lord, may these truths be true in my life. Right. And purpose, what about that? Meaning and purpose today. Boy, is, 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 is I, am I getting fueled from God on those things? Again, it reveals something about my prayer life and the prayer life of the community that I'm connected to and that I rub shoulders with, right? And so I just give you these questions just to help spur in 2020, Right, this, this issue, and for us as a body, boy, how are we doing? Are we a praying church? To be a praying church, we have to be a praying people. And to be a praying people, we need to come alongside each other and really pray with each other. Right? And I, I just say that if we, as we engage each other and love each other and serve each other and care for each other, it is how much of that do we actually spend praying for each other? I mean, not just saying, oh, brother or sister, I'll pray for you. Yeah. But I mean, really praying. Like we're in the moment saying, let's, let's pray right now. Let's, let's, and receive, right, the prayers from each other. And you know, that's the other piece of this is my faith and my prayer life also is revealed in how quickly I am willing to ask others to pray for me, to receive prayer from others. Say, look, listen, brothers and sisters, I, I need, I need you to come. I need you. I need some prayer on this. I need you to walk with me through this issue and, and pray, whether it's a business decision, whether it's a marriage decision, whatever the issue is, is man, I, rally some troops. Come on. 
Let's, let's lock arms on this. Let's go to battle, right, for this. Let's, let's get some victory. Let's see what God is going to do. Does that make sense, gang? How are we doing is when it comes to being a praying church? So let me jump back. Uh, ooh, where am I? To this one. So um, <clears throat> two pieces on prayer when it comes to just being a praying church. Uh, I've been in, going through uh, First and Second Chronicles for the last several months. This has just been kind of my morning Bible reading and devotion with the Lord. And boy, First Chronicles 21 and 22, we don't have time to go over that entire thing. I give it to you as an illustration of what it looks like in the temptation, how easy it is to not build with God and then God's grace and then what it looks like too, what happens in the transition, transformation when we start building with God. And boy, the consequences when we don't. And uh, two pieces of this, I think we're constantly tempted, right, to, I think we all understand, we just get busy in life, right? I don't know about you, but just, even just like <laughs> joking about the clicker, but there is some sense of that control is, I, if, I just need to get something done. I need to get the do-do list. I, I want to get to work. And, and so quick jumping out and doing something rather than uh, taking the time to say, Lord, um, let me hear from you. I want to, uh, uh, let's hear from you. Let's build with you. God, what do you have for this decision, for this, this building process, whatever it is? Um, and I think uh, many times, too, we're not even aware of whether we're building with God or not. Right? And that, that, that reveals something in me of a lack of sensitivity to the move of the Spirit of God, of what God is doing. And, and that just leads me even further into this feeling like God is separate and not close to me. Is, do, do I even know if God is with me? And see, if I'm not sure if I'm building with God, building my life, building my home, building everything, right? Is, if I'm not sure about that, then, then how, can I, how can I really rest in the goodness of God? And so I, I think part of it is just really getting honest with, man, am I building with, with you, Lord? And just, just in our, my prayer life, Lord, I want to make sure I'm building with you. And this should begin, right, every morning when I rise in the sense of where my heart goes in dependence, right? Two pieces that are absolutely critical to pr healthy prayer life individually and corporately as a church. One is de dependence, is motive, humility of heart. My prayer life is the direct indicator of how dependent I am on God. My prayer life is a direct indicator of how dependent I am on God for my life. It's a direct indicator in my life for whether I'm building with God or just building myself. Dependence also, if we go a little deeper in this, it gets to this issue of motive. And what God wants more than anything, right, is, is he's concerned about my heart. What, what is the motive of my heart on, on this issue? And it's only in the midst of prayer that those, that, that boy, that the deepness of my heart of why I'm doing what I'm doing is, is fleshed out. This aspect of dependence. Am I really dependent on God? It's a huge question for us. Or do we just get busy doing what we can do? And folks, again, I, I just come back to it first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, every one of us, we have a moment, we have a time where we can choose to get up or we can choose to sleep and jump into building. 
It's a direct indicator of my dependence on God. If I jump up in the morning or if I sleep in, what I'm saying is I'm going to build today. I'm building today on my, on my thing. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm being very blunt here. This goes for all of us. I'm saying, God, I can walk this day. I can live this day out effective without you. Without you. My first thoughts, boom, as soon as my eyes are open, have I set an alarm? Have I, do I have some intentionality of, God, I want to build with you. I want to depend on you. I want to begin this day right, crying out to you because I want your blessing on this day. I want to hear from you, not the beeps of my phone, or, which we all can relate to, we get up, we hit the phone, right? I know I got this meeting. I got this. I got that. I, I need to get on the news maybe, and, and we, we get caught, don't we? We get caught in the rat race. So I want to stay as strong as I can. No one take this as legalism. It's just a fact. How I wake up in the morning directly says something about my dependence on God. If I'm building with Him or if I'm not. There is no question. Don't throw, well, I'm not a morning person. Sorry, it doesn't work. What I do with my day is my heart. Do I want God's blessing? Do I want to build with him? Right? First thing in the morning. Second thing is reverence. And folks, this is such a big one. Today in our culture, um, boy, I, I, the Lord's been working with me on this, and he's been using First Chronicles 21, 22 for sure. Um, a genuine fear of God. It's kind of even hard to talk about that today, isn't it? The fear of God, the awe of God. I mean, we, we kind of put that aside, right? Because, oh, that, that's, that's a scary, that's that fire and brimstone stuff out there, right? Is, but where is the real honest understanding of what reverence is all about? And it, it, in, in a church that's healthy, the scripture should show us from the Old Testament to the New Testament that, man, without reverence, there is no pleasing God. There, there's a, actually an, a, an, a, an obliteration of, of who he is, his glory, without a reverence, without a growing sense of a healthy fear, respect of God. Well, understanding that, and, and it, again, this is a direct, directly flows out of my prayer life of having a fear of God. Scriptures over and over again say the beginning of all wisdom, all knowledge is what? The fear of God. Now, I know if you're very astute, you'll, you'll immediately be thinking, wait a minute now, but first, first John 4 says, uh, perfect love casts out all fear. And you'll, you'll be astute enough that you'll go to Romans 8 and you'll say, wait a minute, it, it, it says you haven't received the spirit of fear any longer, you've received the fear of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. So what's going on here? How do I make sense? And, and let me just plead with you with everything inside my soul is you, we will never understand the glory of the gospel, the intimacy that God has for us, unless you take both Testament, unless you take the whole Bible, and, and you understand the Old Testament and the New Testament, you got to be in both. And a healthy church needs to teach out of both and integrate both because there's nothing like it in the world. And if all we do is camp out in the Gospels or in the New Testament, we'll miss so much. And we'll get completely unhealthy. We'll get, and even maybe out into false teaching if we're not careful to understand that. And today that's popular because it's happened before. There's this whole move that, oh, the Old Testament God, he's that angry, that fearful God, right? And, and, uh, we need to stay away from that. No. 
we're still to have reverence and fear God. But folks, here's the thing, and I'll, and I'll take a, maybe a minute just to break down First Chronicles for us. <laughs> a healthy fear of God is not the same as fear that comes from guilt. What the gospel has done, why, there's, why perfect love has cast out all fears, because no longer do I have to be in the slavery of guilt of the fear of punishment, of the fear of judgment. Jesus came to take that once and for all. And that's the good news is, is man, there's no longer a fear of being judged and, 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 and being condemned. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But the problem with, if I do not have a whole uh, understanding of the entire Bible, is that I immediately sweep any idea or fear or reverence out, and I get this very coddly God that is more in my image than in, in God's image of who he is, and I miss the importance of reverence and awe, the fear of God. He is glorious and holy and perfect and worthy of all worship. Does that make sense, gang? The difference is the gospel comes and it wipes out because of Jesus' incredible gift for us. He covers once and for all any payment, any, anything that I would have to pay for my wrong, my sin, my wrongdoing. Past, present, future is covered no longer do I have to be captive of guilt and the fear of punishment. And folks, what I know is many in the church today are still under that fear. They claim to know Jesus, but they, but they don't know the freedom from the fear of guilt and shame and condemnation. And therefore, it corrupts their prayer and their worship because they don't understand how to live under a, a loving God who's also a God that needs to be feared. All right? And... Um, let me just uh, put these two verses. I've been really camping out on these two. I love this Psalm 25, 14. This is a 2020 verse for me. The friendship, that Hebrew word actually means the secret counsel. Beautiful. Intimate knowledge. The friendship of the Lord belongs to those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant, his promises what he has for them, the goodness that he has for them. Wow. First Chronicles 21, David is at the height of his uh, incredible uh, campaign. God's established him in all of Israel, in all the world at that time. And uh, he got kind of high on himself, and he had a little lapse in First Chronicles 21. It says that actually Satan came to tempt him. Folks, let me tell you, money, fame, power, all these things put ourselves into a place of incredible. It's just we think we're tempted. Boy, you go to a place, the target's even bigger. Satan comes and tempts uh, David, incites him, it says, to go and to take a census of the people. And he goes and tells Joab, his military, go count the people Count the military. I want to know how big my power is. And he obliterates. The, it, it doesn't, they, they took census, but he just it left God out of it. You're supposed to take a tax. It was supposed to be blessed by God. He, he left the reverence out of it. And he started building. Up to this point, David was blessed. He had been building with God, and God was with him. In this moment, he was tempted to now look at, wow, look how powerful I am. Now go, job, go out, and let's see how powerful we are. Right, so we can build with ourselves. And maybe you know the rest of the story is that um, God saw that he came with the angel of the Lord and brought 70,000 of the military to death, brought a massive plague, and, and the angel of the Lord was standing over Jerusalem um, at the time. 
And, uh, and it says this incredible words that God saw and he relented of what he was doing. And, um, and he tells David this. And David saw the angel with the sword. He saw this happening all in Jerusalem there. Um, and this is what I just, I don't have time to break it down. Please go look at it. It's just amazing. And David in his repentance in this, remember David realizes that his mistakes, his decisions have a massive impact on all the people of Israel. Folks, we need to realize that our decisions, they don't just impact ourselves. They impact those around us, right? But the grace of God was there, and he remembered his covenant. And this is so beautiful. The very place that God was going to destroy, he's going to destroy Jerusalem because of this this incredible um, breach of trust, of building with themselves and their own power rather than trusting and building with God. And the very, it says it's the threshing floor of Ornon. You say, what is that? And it's this place in Jerusalem and that it's this very place that God told David that this is where the altar is going to be. And that's the very center of the temple that was built. And so the transition from chapter 21 to 22 is David, who's going building with himself, seeing the consequences of that, and coming back in God's amazing grace to reestablish David, to build with him, and to build now the house of God, the temple in Jerusalem. Now, Here's another amazing little thing about this. In the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord oftentimes is seen as actually a pre-incarnate picture of Jesus himself. And Jesus, who stood there in judgment in this moment, when God saw what was going on, remember, there was an eternal promise made between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that the only way that this world was going to be um, made right, made new again, with us having free will and choosing everything, was for, for the Trinity, for Father, Son, to have a promise among themselves that Jesus willfully, on his own, would come to this earth as a human being, and he himself would one day in that very place where the temple was would be the perfect sacrifice, the center of worship. No longer God's hand of judgment to wipe out because Jesus has taken every sin. No longer animals to be sacrificed. No longer the appeasement of a holy God, but God himself who's come and who's covered all that. That is the center of worship. And we move into the New Testament and Jesus coming. Why did Jesus walk into the temple and clean it out? Because it would be a house of prayer. Why did Jesus say, knock these things down and in three days I'll raise it up again? Why does he say, for those who follow him, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? God wants to be close to you. He wants prayerful communication with you. And he's done more than we could ever imagine to accomplish all that so we could be in this intimate, prayerful relationship with God. Amazing. It's critical if we don't build with God, right? And so I just leave you with that. It's interesting, after they established worship in the temple, is over and over again these words were said, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And in worship and in prayer and in ministry, folks, is that we have to hold these things Always, and those words actually go all through the, the Bible, is that these has to be our commitment in worship, is that God, we come to you, we fear you, we bring reverence and awe. Um, Hebrews 12 says that we're to bring acceptable worship, which is with reverence and with awe before God, because he is a consuming fire. 
Now, that's Hebrews. What is it? What is it? Consuming fire. Wow, that sounds judgment. <laughs> We're to remember in the Old Testament, the fire of God, when, when they did this, where it came down and consumed the sacrifice. We're to remember who sacrificed for us. And Romans 12 says we're to bring a living sacrifice before God to him because of Jesus once and for all has taken care of that issue for us. No longer do we have to fear punishment and judgment because of the grace of God. But it doesn't mean that I'm not to grow in my fear and respect and reverence for the holiness of who God is. My worship is to be in awe and with reverence for the glory of God. And so these things we have to hold intimately together. God, you are good. Even when I don't see his goodness, you're good. Your, love, your steadfast love, it endures forever. I should characterize the house of God in worship. Does that make sense, gang? There's more we could say on that. But let's just, a uh, couple questions here, Derek. Why don't you all come on up and any comments and questions on that? So much more we could say on that. But just as we move into this 2020 we need to be a praying church. And that prayer should radically in, in, in be a part, obviously, which we do spend times uh, here on Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, 6 to 8. We have our ministry team here inviting you in to a prayer and a worship time to learn how to do that. But anybody just have any comments or questions just for Derek, for our worship, what goes on on a Sunday morning over here? Um, when we read in the gospel about Jesus, it says that early in the morning, while it was still dark, he left the house and went to lonely places to pray. So if Jesus needed to do that, yeah, we do too. Amen, brother. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. He set the tone for to follow him. What else? Comments back here. Ah, you can get your exercise this morning. Um, my aunt pointed this out to me this week, and I just went through it, and it was really great. So Randy Alcorn is a fairly well-known author in the Midwest, or where is he, the West Coast. And he has on his blog right now um, 10 questions for a new year. So it just has these 10 questions, which would be a perfect way to be with God in prayer, seek his intimate counsel, and... Yeah, they're just really good, thought-provoking questions. So Randy Alcorn, wonderful. 10 questions for a new year. Great, great resource. Love it. Anybody else? Just comments this morning back here. John, about worship, prayer, any of this. Sorry about that. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, I have the blessing to be in a discipleship group with a couple of men, and some of the questions we talk about are, are the crisis in the church and and. Everything that Steve laid out here, it's quite perfect that it looks like a blueprint because it's the blueprint for how to conduct ourselves and think. But the question that goes in front of all of this, and I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand. I'm going to do it myself. Every single day I remind myself, do I believe this? Yeah. Right. And then I follow up and I say, can I handle the truth? Yeah. That's good. Right. So you have to put that question in front of this every day. Mm. Do I believe mm. this? Yeah. And in so doing, am I hypocritical to myself if I believe it and I'm not following it? Yeah, that's great. Great, John. Thank you. Anybody else? Maybe one more. Any comments or questions? Back here. Back here. Back.
So the first thing I want to say is thank you so much to Kylie um, to open and Worth to open their homes. But the power of prayer that has come amongst the women in the group, and not to say anything specific, has been absolutely amazing to birthing babies, kids, people getting pregnant, meeting their soulmates, and we pray together. Um, and in the morning, if before my feet, feet hit the floor, if I don't talk to God, I don't have the Holy Spirit inside my soul. And then that makes me kind of do the wrong things maybe yeah. sometimes. So I just want to say thank you again to Kylie and Worth. Yeah. And God bless this church. It's awesome. amazing. Awesome. Well, that's perfect. That leads me to my, my, my kind of final thought is, gang, all of this, it can't happen in isolation. If I want to grow in prayer, I need someone to pray with me. I need someone to show me, to lead me into what that, what that looks like. And the power of gathering. Jesus says, two or more gathered in my name. I am there in their presence. The presence of God, right? Prayer, presence, worship, all these things go together. And this is why we gather, right, together is to stoke these things in our hearts. Because the reality is when we get out there in the world, it's hard, right, alone to keep that faith, to keep those things alive. Um, and that's one of the things we need to, to do. This is, we, we're here to, right, to renew, to strengthen our focus, right, with one another, encourage one another in prayer and in worship. That's why it's such an intimate part of, we don't just sing songs, right? We're worshiping, right, in the awe of who God is, expecting, right, great things from Him. So, uh, so wonderful. We'll dive. We'll continue to dive in. Please keep the conversation going. Threw a lot at you. Hope you'll take that, wrestle with it. Um, if you'll stand with us now, and um, obviously if there's anything that uh, we do on a Sunday morning when it comes to this idea of prayer and worship or anything, please engage Derek, anybody on the team. Um, we're just praying that God would show us, Lord, we want to please you, right, in, in all of these, these things. So, Father, thank you this morning. Lord, we love you. Make us a praying people, God. Make us a worshiping people, Lord. And, Father, for the the person here who's struggling, which we all are struggling one way or another, but for, Lord, for the person who's here who, who's just questioning whether they know you or not, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd move and open their eyes this morning to receive you, start this year knowing, knowing, Lord, that you're in their heart, that you love them, you're with them, you're for them. Lord, we love you. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.